Hello, Rose here, creator of the Greenlands and this table reading podcast. I just wanted to say thank you so much to all you amazing listeners and supporters. You really do make this whole thing so much more fun. I just wanted to mention one or two things before we get started. First, I'm setting up a Greenlands shop in late November, where I sell arts and prints and jewellery related to the Greenlands. It's going to be very small to start off with, but it's going to be great fun. Keep an eye on our socials for updates. Second, if you want to find out more about the world of the Greenlands, there's a section of our website going to be called Lore, I'm currently building it. It contains the history, legends and stories of the Greenlands that gives our podcasts and movies more context, so go check it out. I want to thank our cast from this week's episode of The Night's Erratic, the second in our cycle of six stories. Thank you to Crispin Holland, Sam Parry, Linda Dutson, Helen Vary, David McCran, Andrew Veal, James Hare, Zoe Cunningham, and Alex Gardner. Woodland track. Afternoon. The girl has guided Adamant to a big fallen tree. He is walking around it. She is following him very closely behind. She is definitely starting to look a bit peculiar. And yes, Adamant has taken off a bunch of his armour to flex and show off his muscles. I'm not seeing your sister. Is she unconscious or something? Or maybe she got out and is nearby. Say, you are mine. What? Adamant stops. Something in her voice tips him off. He turns, trying to pull out his sword, but the Hamadriad ducks under his swing and hugs him. He drops his sword and freezes. His eyes go dull. She hugs him, and her body starts to slowly grow tendrils that start to grow into Adamant. She starts to dissolve into crawling moss and greenery over his body. You are mine. I am yours. You hate the sneerers. I hate the men with the iron axes that chop and kill trees and all the beauty in the world. You will go back and kill them. Now! Her face by now has become like a hideous, gnarled, woody tree face. Her whole mesh and body of livid green sprouts now enters Adamant's body at speed and vanishes. Adamant stands still for a second, and then slowly picks up his gloves and puts them on. Then he slowly picks up his sword and swings it a few times. Making a few full starts, he strides towards his horse, who now really doesn't like him, and rides off back down the path they came. Woodland track, afternoon. Adamant slows to a trot, and then stops at the junction where he left his comrades before. He looks around like a zombie, sees the other track down which the squires have gone, gives a starey, mad half-smile, and then kicks his horse off into a canter along that track. Adamant sees his friends ahead and canters up to join them, slowing to a walk as he comes up to them. We notice that Morag has an axe as part of his gear. We see the world through Adamant's eyes for a second, and we see the iron on their roads and armour distorting the world around them. Morag and Quinn both look around and smile at him. So, it wasn't bandits then? Adamant shakes his head and Morag points ahead at a stream running through the glade area. Let's feed the horses. They ride over in the direction of the glade. Woodland by a stream, afternoon. The squires dismount and let their horses graze while they get their canteens out to fill with water. Quinn collects the other two's canteens. Here. Give me yours. I'll fill them all. Oh, thanks. He, and then Adamant, hands his canteen over to Quinn, who goes down to the stream. Morag sits and then lies down on his back, with his eyes closed to sun himself. He sighs in contentment to be off horseback. 
Adamant remains standing, glaring at him, which Morag hasn't noticed. So, you realize she hadn't walked 20 miles in unblemished silk slippers then? Adamant does not respond. Quinn said she was probably a giant mushroom spirit that wanted to eat you or something. All creatures have to eat. What's the death of one man if it means saving the lines of many? Morag arises and half reclines on his elbows and looks inquiringly at Adamant. Uh. You humans take life so easily. Only just now you killed two men and let their blood pour into the brown earth for no reason. Yet you were not punished. Yet, is it bad when a spirit seeks to save itself? Morag sits up, fully staring at Adamant. He glances to Quinn, who doesn't seem to have noticed. Adamant puts his arms on his hips and sneeringly leans forward. You are nothing more than a mindless animal. Morag's face shuts down and is starting to show the weird blank look he had when he killed the other men. What? You walk around pretending to be a master of this world and a prince with your iron axes. You say you have morals and justice, but really deep down you are nothing of the sort. Morag squares up to Adamant, who is still grinning. You are just a murderer, like the rest. You kill senselessly, and then expect that you will not be punished. Oh yeah, and you are the one to punish me? Oh yes, my little woodworm. I will start with you, and then reduce all of you murderers to ash. Morag swings at him violently with his sword, but Adamant blocks it with his arm and pulls his own sword out. Adamant doesn't seem to notice the injury on his arm. Quinn, shocked by the sound of swords, turns. Quinn rushes back to the other two men, seeing them fight. He notices that Adamant has leaves wrapping up his arm that has been injured, and is moving like a puppet. Oi! What the hell are you two doing? He tries to run in between them, but Adamant almost cuts him in half with a sword. Quinn only avoids injury by rolling. He sees that Adamant's eyes are completely black. Adamant is a pretty good fighter, well-trained, and also seems to not notice injuries. But Morag is bigger, stronger, and is more experienced. He has already caused Adamant quite a lot of damage. The blood mingling with leaves as the Hammer Dryad tries to patch up his injuries. Quinn tries to grab Morag. Adamant manages to kick Morag down, and with the Hammer Dryad power boost, kicks Morag across the clearing. Morag lands heavily against a tree, winded. Quinn scrambles to him. For Etty's sake, stop it! That's not adamant. Morag's blank expression becomes more human when he hears the terror in Quinn's voice. It looks like him. Don't be stupid, he just kicked you five metres. Adamant can't do that. That woman must really have been a spirit. Did you piss her off or something? Don't ask me. Adamant is upon him. He swings his sword and Morag and Quinn roll out of the way. Okay, okay, uh, how do you beat the spirit? Iron. And keep him away from trees. If it's a spirit, it can probably use the trees to fix itself or something. Adamant again swings at them both. Morag blocks the blow and kicks the injured Adamant away. What kind of iron? Quinn looks around desperately and sees the chainmail hanging out of Morag's bag. Distract it. I'm going to use our chainmail. How do I do that? I don't know. What pisses off trees? Quinn takes off across the clearing towards the bags. The spirit in Adamant starts to follow him. Morag looks desperate for a second and then looks at the tree next to him. He smiles as a horrible idea forms in his head. Oi! You walking vegetable! You want a senseless murder? He swings his sword at a tree, cutting into it. The hammer dryad screams in rage. Oh, don't like that, do we? 
He swings at a bunch of bushes, cutting them, and attacks another tree. Stop it, you filthy worthless creature! Adamant lunges at Morag, who manages to fight him off. Meanwhile, we see Quinn run up to the bags and grab the chain mails. He grabs his own too, and after a split second, grabs a helmet. He turns and runs back towards where Adamant and Morag are fighting, and grabs Adamant with the chainmail. Adamant screams. Quinn slams the iron helmet on his head. Adamant is flaming desperately. Morag knocks the sword out of his and tackles him. Quinn manages to wrap one of the chainmail jerkins around Adamant's upper body. The tree sprouts shoot out of his nose and face and skin. The hammer dryad rips itself out of Adamant, trying to get away from the iron. It manages to drag itself away from them, but Quinn grabs Adamant's sword and decapitates it. There is a silence as the grass dies around her body and she looks like a beautiful woman for a second and vanishes into the grass. The boys all stay still for a bit, panting. Something strikes me. (sighs) What? That old woman said we had to beware of shrubbery. Do you think this is what she meant? Quinn snorts, and both of them end up laughing hysterically. They wipe away their tears of laughter. We gotta patch up Adamant. You chopped him up real good. Yes. Woodland, streamside, afternoon. Morag carries Adamant back towards the horses and saddlebags. Quinn is rubbaging in his saddlebag for bandages and his canteen. He pulls out needles and thread and a small vial of what looks like liquor. Morag puts Adamant down on his black cloak. Adamant groans, comes round, starts to sit up, sees Morag and flinches. Don't move, idiot. You are badly injured. I'm what? What happened? I remembered a woman of surpassing beauty and then the next thing I know you're trying to kill me and... and... Morag looks sorry. Uh, You got possessed. You nearly succeeded in killing me. Eh, you will have scars. It will make you more manly. Why did you try to kill me? Uh, You called me a murderer and an animal. You said I do horrible things and I do not get punished for it because I am a prince. Quinn comes over and starts washing Adamant's wound with a wet cloth. Well, unfortunately, he isn't wrong about the murder part. Morag looks brooding. Quinn does his best to clean up Adamant, who flinches. Ah, mm, sorry. Yes, I will give you that. I am more violent than I should be. As much as I would hate to say it, Adamant, you have a point about trying not to kill. The other two squires stare at him with mild shock. I should not try to kill a friend so easily. That is not a good thing for a prince to do. Quinn pulls out a needle and starts to thread it. Adamant looks at it in terror. This is going to hurt you far more than it's going to hurt me. No shit! Morag laughs and then reaches into his saddlebag and pulls out a small vial. Drink this. It is the finest fire whiskey made in the endless winter nights in the mountains of my country. Drink enough of this and you won't notice anything. Adamant grabs it and knocks it back. He makes a face and gives the bottle back to Morag. Tastes a bit... He is immediately knocked out and starts snoring. Morag grins at Quinn. Remind me to never go drinking with your people. Quinn sets about trying to patch up Adamant. Morag looks away and stares blankly ahead. We realise that he is also injured. Cottage, living room, evening. 
The squires knock and are given entry by a peasant. Edrald's cottage. They offer money for the night and are given hot stew. Admont is still very groggy and is half carried by Morag. They eat in silence, and as Quinn is looking after Adamant, Morag quietly patches himself up. When he is done, the two younger squires are asleep by the fire. Morag smiles slightly, wraps himself up in his cloak, and falls asleep in an uncomfortable chair. But Adamant moves in and out of sleep, exhausted and half delirious. He dreams of slowly falling asleep in a field as the leaves crawl all over him, and drag him down into the earth. Adamant also dreams of Morag furiously attacking him. These scenes become mixed up with each other. He also dreams of screaming people burning buildings. He dreams of himself as a child with adults walking around him, ignoring him. Cottage, outside the front, morning. Quinn is already half stripped and washing in a half barrel tub of cold water and Morag is also now stripping, in his turn. Adamant still asleep? Da. I left him sleeping as he was tossing and turning when I went out for a wheeze in the night. The front door opens and Edward comes out. Good morning, masters. Sorry, I was just chopping wood out the back after checking on our invalid. You all right? Well, there does seem to be a fever, which means there's infection. Have you tinctures, Master Edward? No, but I would have you fetch me old woman's bonnet, flowers thereof, and also dago lily, the roots please. Oh, and get me some staghorn moss, that might help. Morag splashes himself. We'll be off for them, straight away. I'll have a midday meal ready for you when you return. You'll have quite a few miles around looking for that moss, my masters. And you'll have to be on foot to look close, of course. Edrald returns inside. The squires throw on their jerkins, and Quinn gets a cloth bag from one of his saddlebags just outside the door. Quinn and Morag set off into the nearby wood. Morag and Quinn are walking along a path, looking at the undergrowth. Now, Alderman's bonnet is quite small, white blossom. My grandmother was a woman, so I'm used to spotting plants, of course. Morag points. What, like that one over there? Morag goes to pick it. They resume their walk with their eyes down. Morag suddenly points. And isn't that a deagle lily? Morag dives down and picks it. He holds it in front of Quinn. Oh, yes, it is! Look! Cottage, bedroom, morning. Adam is still tossing and turning while muttering to himself. Edward is just leaving the room quietly. Wood, morning. Quinn and Morag are still walking. After a while, Morag speaks out. I don't like these more southerly woods. Why not? In Hallstatten, the woods are frozen, still, and pretty empty. They don't have hammer dryads and such like in them. Oh. You get used to the werewolves and dryads when you live here. Quinn shrugs superiorly and strides ahead confidently. Quinn strides accidentally right into a morass up to his waist. He flounders around in it, but his feet are stuck in the mud and he can't get any purchase to get him out. Morag comes up to him and gives him a slight grin. I suppose that you get used to bogs as well, eh? Quinn ceases his struggles and rolls his eyes. Yeah. Right, well, can you get me out? Please? 
please. Easy woo. Easy weasy woo. Morag suppresses a grin and then grabs and extends a long bow out to Quinn, who sheepishly grabs it and is hauled ashore. He is almost ashore when Morag suddenly drops it and dives off in another direction. Ah, stag's horn moss. I see some. He suddenly bends down and picks the moss while Quinn flounders again. Ah, Morago. Edrald's cottage, morning. The squires return to the cottage and Edrald, who is digging just outside his cottage in his little garden, straightens up, smiles, takes the plants and hurries into the house with them. Edrald's cottage, afternoon. The two squires are seated at the table, eating bread and cheese, and Edrald is preparing medicine at the stove. Quinn is dressed in ill-fitting peasant clothes. You get that down, you masters, and I'll cook you something hot for tonight. I've been keeping an eye on your friend. Thank you kindly, Edrald. You must accept a little something in gratitude for this nursing work. I just hope that it works. He is stirring a pan. Edrald's cottage, bedroom, evening. The door opens slowly, and the faces of Quinn and Morag poke slowly and quietly round it. Adamant is lying with his eyes closed, but when they accidentally make a bit of a noise with the door, he opens them and looks around at them. Adamant smiles groggily. Hello. You awake then? No, still fast asleep. I am sorry, Adamant. I didn't realise. They come in. Morag stands next to the bed and Quinn sits on it. No, really, drop it, drop it. It it wasn't your fault anyway. It was mine for not listening to you two and putting all of us in danger. You feeling better? Well, I don't have hammer dryads turning into dragons and eating my horse as I'm laying here. So I suppose that's a sign my brain is working again. We're just going to have supper. You want some chitterlings with blood pudding? Adamant smiles sicklily. Um, just a little soup would be... Quinn stands up. I'll see what he's got. You get better. Yeah, I'm trying. Morag and Quinn go out. Edrald's cottage, evening. Morag, Quinn and Edrald have just finished their supper and are seated by the fire drinking their beer. So, how do you fare, Master Edrald? being so far from habitation. Well, I'm lucky, really. I'm a hermit by choice and prefer solitude. However, I need some sort of income, so paying quests and people who visit me to consult me regarding their ailments means that I have a little to live on. How lucky we were to alight on your home, then. Where do you travel to, masters? Morag gets up, takes the dirty plates over to the washing bowl on a side table. He pours some water into the bowl and desultorily washes up. We go to take our spiritual tests at the convent of the Sisters of the Sun. Edward looks pleased. Oh, dear Mother Euphemia and her priestesses. Do you know them then? Indeed I do. In fact, I will ask if you would kindly take an old book of mine back to them as I borrowed it last year. Certainly, Sarah. Edward gets up. Good. Then I will give it to you when I wake you in the morning. I wish you a good night, masters. Good Good night, night, Edward. The old man takes a candle, lights it from the table ones, and goes into the other bedroom. The boys drag out palliuses from next to the wall, wrap their cloaks around them, and bed down on the floor. Good night, Queen. 
That was an episode of The Night's Erratic from The Greenlands Presents. I'd like to thank our amazing editors, Adam Finn and Matthew McGuinness, for bringing this podcast to life. If you want more information about our shop and our world, check out www.the-greenlands.com the-greenlands.com or check us out on Instagram and Facebook underneath The Greenlands or variations of it. Love y'all. Thank you very much.